Let's ride. out there living in this world uh yeah no playing this ride man the crumma edition well i don't really say the christmas edition but i'm recording the shit on new year's eve and i'm putting it out tomorrow so there you go that's the extent of my making this the uh christmas episode and i say crumma because if you're from duval county and you hear that song they put on the radio when the girls say what well, she wanted her crumma list like <laughs> i guess it's just you got to be from florida man to get it but it's it's always been funny to me, so I finally got a chance to say it. it was some shit I was recording, so I figured I'd put it out there. So welcome, everybody. No playing this ride, Blackout, doing the hosting thing here. So if welcome back if you've been here before. Welcome if you're new. And if you're new, listening to a Christmas episode, that's weird to me, but whatever. So um, I'm going to jump right into this shit. I'm going to get the bullshit news out the way, all the stuff I missed last week and stuff that happened after I put it out. So... One of the things I wanted to talk about that I saw was that, uh, I think it was a Miss Iran or Miss Iraq. So she decided that she wanted to be progressive. And she was, you know, in the beauty pageant, obviously. And she took a picture with Miss Israel and she got backlash because she's Muslim and Miss Israel's Jewish. And there's some tension there, you know, across the globe, especially in the Middle East. And I think she was in a, um, she took a picture in a bikini as well, but it's a beauty pageant. I don't know how you wouldn't expect that, but I also don't know how she didn't expect to get backlash. Now, is it right? That depends on your moral standing. Depends on how you, how you line up with whatever particular religion. But, like, I really don't understand how she didn't feel like she was going to get backlash. Like, she she had to know, like, I understand you in the beauty pageant and all, but you ain't cracking enough to where you're going to overturn, like, centuries of uh, morals. <laughs> you know, no matter how people may agree or disagree with it that is people's religion and those are the morals they follow so i don't know how she didn't think she's gonna get backlash now i will say that the uh the death threats are extreme <laughs> you got you gotta relax you gotta calm down like nori said you gotta relax it ain't that serious but then again i'm not cut from that particular cloth and that really ain't got shit to do with me or nobody i know i just thought that it was kind of funny that she didn't see it coming now, do I believe it's wrong that she's getting the backlash in the first place? Yeah. But at the same time, you kind of know where you stand in that particular region, especially if you're of that particular religion. So the fact that or the thought that she didn't know that she or expect to get this backlash or she just thought it was going to go away and go on notice is crazy to me because, I mean, you're Iraq and Israel standing next to each other and everybody knows how majority of the Muslim world reportedly feels about Israelis. So there you go. And y'all forgive me if my voice sound fucked up, man, because uh and like I said this Christmas Eve and I'm I'm recording this. Obviously no playing this ride. I went to do it in the car. My dumb ass, I tried to sneak over to Jackson box and inhale a fucking burger real quick. 
And I mean, I, I knocked it out. I got it down. I was hungry. And there's food at, there's about to be food at the crib, but I was like, shit, I'm hungry right now. I'm out. Let me just grab something. They open, you know, celebrate, get the burger. Man, I wolfed that motherfucker down so I could try to jump on this podcast with a full stomach. Man, the first time I went to say something, I, I damn near killed myself. I don't know if you, what you call a hiccup and a burp at the same time. Is it a hurt? Well, I, I ain't, ain't going to call it no damn hurt, but like, I don't know what you call it. I know if you sneeze and fart, it's called a snart. If you sneeze and shit, it's called a snit. I even came up with something like if you sleep and fart, I call it a slurp. But I don't know what the hell you call a hiccup and a burp at the same damn time. I might call it sudden death. Hit me up and um, let me know if I got a name for this shit. Hit me in the email, noplaythisride at gmail.com or noplay247 at Twitter. But let me know what y'all call that shit, man. Because, I, man, I all I know is I damn near died a couple of times. I went to drink some water, try to wash this shit down. Same damn thing. So help me out with that uh little bit of information if you could. And let me know what you call almost killing yourself because you ate a burger too goddamn fast. In other news, terrible news, a train went off the rails in um, Washington. That shit is sad. I don't know how many people got injured. I'm just reporting it because it was the the biggest news of the day other than, you know, political shit that I saw after I'd already put this fucking podcast out. I was like, damn, that's tragic, man. So keep your uh, people close during the holiday season because you never know what can happen like in the blink of an eye. Because these people were probably on their way to work. They may have been traveling to meet family. But just like that, the fucking train goes off the rails. And um, some of them probably ain't going back. I didn't really want to look into the injuries too much. But it happened in Washington. There's an article on CNN. If you're interested in seeing what they're talking about, go look it up and uh, figure that out for yourself. After the holiday season, no need to bring yourself down. You know, unless you got family you're looking for that you can't find or something. But yeah, definitely, uh, if that's what you want to look at, go look at it. But... Try to feel your happy, your holidays with happy shit. But I'm about to fill it with some bullshit right now. So another story I came across was, uh, so there's this couple, they're partnered. I don't know if they're married now, but there's two women, and one of them got artificially inseminated. Now, she filed a lawsuit because they inseminated her with black sperm. Now, me saying that, obviously, the lady is not black. It's two white women. And one of them got inseminated with black sperm, and they have a little black girl, a little, I guess, mixed girl, rather. And she was trying to sue the, uh, she was trying to sue, I guess, the facility that she got it from, but the, the judge ended up throwing it out. And I, I just, and while I, I can understand her being angry, because that, you didn't get what you wanted. And that's what, something you got to deal with for the rest of your life. It's just like, well, what do you do at this point? Do you keep the child that you kind of want, kind of don't want? Or do you get rid of the child? I just, I don't know where else to go with that. Like you, you wanted to have a baby. You weren't in the situation where you could biologically have it with the person that you're with. And the consequence, the unfair consequence of you going to do it artificially is you end up with a child that's, a, I mean, at least a race that you did not want. And I don't, yeah, I don't know. That's, that's tough. I probably shouldn't have laughed at that, but what can I say? I'm a terrible person. Well, hopefully that baby gets some nice uh, Christmas gifts. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's that. That was weird. I uh, I really don't know what to say about that. I thought it was funny, terribly, but then now as I read it on this, I feel like it's kind of fucked up that I laughed at that. In other black and white news, 
The uh, owner of the Panthers, I think I talked about it last week, but he got into some bullshit with one of these females. He fucked up, apparently, and he decided that he's going to sell the team. Now, I said this last week. Now, he's either ridiculously guilty or ridiculously smart because as a, you know, that, that franchise being an expansion team, it probably only cost him a few million, and I'm pretty sure he f he's going to flip it for like a couple of billion because when he first bought the team, expansion team, they weren't really successful. There was going to be a struggle, so he got in there cheap. Now he's selling that shit for probably close to, or he wants to sell it for close to billions. So, uh, yeah, I mean, the lady coming out kind of helped him out in a way. He don't have to worry about the team no more. He's already made his money. He's going to be gone. And, you know, if you get jammed up, just go away smooth like that, man. It's like, hey, man, cash out. Cash out and get out the way, and they'll get your name out the media for the most part. But that's not what I really want to say about that situation. The, the crazy shit is, is that that same, I guess that same day or maybe in that same weekend, Diddy came out saying, hey, I want to buy the team. And anybody who's, who's you know, paid attention to hip-hop or just entertainment or pop culture over the past few years know Diddy got some damn money. So if Diddy say he wants to buy the team, you got to take that as him being serious. But apparently, <laughs> uh, Daria Folsom on the news and who the fucking guy who called in, Henry something, they didn't feel that way. So it was a news channel, I think it's in San Francisco, they, you know, aired the clip or whatever, and she was she was on screen talking to somebody who, who called in. I think it's another guy that worked there. And the guy's black, and he was saying, like, oh, he must have drunk a couple 40s. He looks like he's high. Talking all, ty talking all types of crazy about Diddy, like he ain't got no money. Now, the one thing we know about millionaires and billionaires is they don't waste their time fucking with broke people like you and me, you know, temporarily broke people like you and me. They rub shoulders with other billionaires. So I don't know why anybody would think that Diddy just think he, he's going to be able to come out of his pocket and pay for a whole NFL team. Of course, he's probably going to get a group together to buy the team. So when he was on the phone, he just made himself look like an idiot. Like, I don't know who he thought was watching that show or who he thought was going to see that, if he knew they were on air or not. I don't know what happened, but, like, Twitter, the internet is tearing their ass up right now. And I would be shocked that they still had their jobs. The irony is that, that it's a black man saying this shit. But then, you know, can't be a, you can never be too sure because sometimes people get into that corporate environment or they get in an environment where they feel they're supposed to be a certain way as black people and they have to act a certain way and they acquiesce to the, to the attitude and the morals and the, you know, the expectation of those people around them. And they'll say little shit to try to get over to try to fit in, and I don't know if that was the case, but he damn, he was laying his own puff daddy, and, he was laying, and I'm like, damn, he's talking real reckless about cuz, like, there won't be no repercussions for this, but he, he probably either got in some type of trouble, or he probably lost his damn job, so, I mean, we'll see what happens with it, man, I, I guess I'll follow up on the story, and try to, and try to, you know, dig into it, and see what's up, man, but, yeah, people, you know, you're gonna take a loss over stupid shit, you t like, your job is to do the news, not talk shit about somebody who has way more money than you. You know what I mean? <laughs> in a situation like that, like he had, there was no way he could do it. He obviously has the funds to make it happen, or at least the connection. So, you look like a dummy. And the girl, and the girl who was on the show with you looks stupid as well. And, th and the thing is, like, they don't even really know who the guy is. Like, you know, you got to dig for it. 
Dario Fulsum name is out there. So, because it was her segment of the show. So, she didn't even really say the shit. She just kind of laughed and agreed with it. So, now, she's going to take the loss mostly on his behalf. Now, it is her fault. It's her damn show. It's her responsibility. And she was kikiing, and she didn't make a comment here or there. But she didn't go to the level that he did. So, I don't know. She should have never asked him that question, because she probably asked him the question like a joke anyway. And they tried to play Diddy, and now both of them looking fucking stupid. So we'll, we'll see what happens with that. What else happened in the world of, of important news that I'm not aware of right now? Oh, yeah, a uh, former pilot said he saw a UFO, or thought he saw a UFO. So there's that shit. Um, like, you know, through me looking at TV and hearing certain things as a kid, I would hear stories about guys saying, hey, yeah, um, about old, especially like old military pilots, like, yeah, I saw, I don't know what the fuck it was, and I was just flying, and then some shit came out and did something that I didn't think was possible in the air, and then it was gone. That's like the common story you hear. I mean, I don't know why my man would have a reason to lie, but I definitely believe in aliens, and if I don't now, if I didn't then, I damn sure do now, because, well, I thought I did. I was out here at Walmart, and um, I, I'm trying to park, and people just stopped in the middle of the fucking parking lot. So, you know, I'm ignorant, angry, like, I'm looking like, what the fuck is going on? I just happened to look up. There was this uh, larger woman standing out, got out of her car, took her phone out, was taking pictures, like, what the fuck is that? And all you saw when you looked up was, like, this big cloud of smoke, and then you saw two objects in the air, one with the, the rear light facing, you know, the rear, obviously, and, and there's another one right behind it with the light facing the rear light. So the two lights were facing each other. But they were going in the same direction. And it was, I had never seen no shit like this before. And I figured it was just probably like some military operation or some shit. Or, you know, it's about to be Independence Day now, this motherfucker. But for, I mean, for a second, I, I ain't gonna front for a second. I was nervous, like, damn, I don't even know if I wanna go in this damn store. I kinda just wanna leave. Or I'm, let me go in. I come back, the whole fucking parking lot is vaporized or something. When I got home and I looked it up, and apparently they launched like a satellite. And by the time I got finished looking it up, it was on my Facebook feed. And people had seen that shit from, like, miles away. Like, it hit as far as Arizona. But I figured it was something closer to me. But apparently, I was fucking wrong. I was wrong. I was wrong. But I, you know, I don't know. The, the more I hear, the more I believe in aliens just because of the weird shit that's happening. <laughs> so, I don't know. Explain the pyramids and all the stone here and all the other shit. I don't know. I'm just talking shit. Aliens are real. It's a struggle. Speaking of struggle, so I don't, I'm like a YouTube nerd. I watch TV, but I primarily watch shit on my phone on YouTube because the TV talks when I get to the crib. So there's a show on YouTube, it's called Everyday Struggle. And I, I, I believe the concept was created by Joe Buttons. So it's Joe Buttons, there's a female moderator on there, Nadeska, and then there's a dude, DJ Academics. He's a I don't, I don't know if he's a real DJ. I know that's his name. So he's an internet guy. Um, he's built a pretty decent following on the internet. And, of course, if you're familiar with hip-hop at all, Joe Buttons is a pretty talented lyricist who's been maneuvering on the internet for a while. He's one of the first rappers to really maneuver on the internet, like, almost solely. So seeing him on the show wasn't a big surprise. But apparently, he got fired. And it pissed me off because, like, I'm a fan of the show. I'm a fan of, the, of his music. I'm a fan of his podcast, and I'm, I'm a fan of the show. I think it's good that you have that that open like debate between 
a younger guy in academics, and then you have, you know, the veteran rapper Joe Buttons. It's kind of like, it's like uh, the dynamic between, you know, you have the, the sports caster or sports writer who's on Monday Night Football or whatever football, and then you have the player, whether it be baseball, football, basketball. That's usually the dynamic because you get the, you get the side that's been covering the sport for years, and then you get the, you know, the athlete side of the guy who's been playing sports, the guy or girl who's been playing sports for years, and they give you that, you know, that um, that different um, perspective on shit. So that's kind of the dynamic they had on the show. They had um, the female uh, moderator. They had the internet guy who's a more of a fan of all. I guess I think academics listen to pretty much everything, but he'll rock with that little goofy shit, whatever. Most people in my age group don't really rock with. And then you got, like I said, you got the the veteran lyricist rapper on the show. And I think it was a, it was a cool dynamic. And unfortunately, due to contract negotiations, I think the shit fell apart. It's sad because it was a really good show, and I think uh, that platform will be missed because I don't know how they're going to make the show work. And the crazy thing about it is, like, listening and, you know, trying to figure out what happened, apparently bro had had his, Joe Bunsen had his kid, was on leave, and was going to come back, and it was kind of like, nah, homie, you don't, got, you don't need to come back. We I guess they decided to go a different direction because his contract was up, and he wasn't willing to acquiesce what he wanted, and they weren't willing to pay him, so now... I don't know. I think Complex fucked that up. Complex, Verizon, whoever made that shit happen, I feel like Complex fucked that up because you can't put nobody else in that spot. Not, you, and you may, I mean, depending on the type of crowd you want to put in there, you know, if you want to get like the young kids watching it, what you're going to lose, I think that was mostly like a hip-hop head show, you know, mainly because Joe Button's on there. I couldn't see how a young kid who listened, who's fucking with like little Uzi and Yachty and all them, motherfuckers would really watch the show because Joe ain't really Joe was honest in his opinions of that shit and he'll call it trash or if you, it'd be like somebody who's hardcore Democrat watching Fox News like you're gonna watch it just to be pissed off so I can't really see them watching it so I think they're gonna lose a chunk of their demographic by not having Joe Buttons on the show shit I've already unsubscribed it's, it's just like it ain't like oh you know the subs really matter when you got two million people but if you get enough of people unsubscribing for your shit, it's going to hurt. You don't have enough, you know, you don't have the traffic coming through. You're going to lose that ad money. So in the long run, it can hurt. Hopefully they figure something out and get them back on the show. Because them having other guests on there, that just ain't going to fucking do it. Like, you, they had um, Who Kid on there. And, you know, Who Kid, he did his thing. He, you know, he, he was out there with, with G-Unit and all that shit and Eminem. But I don't want to fucking sit there and listen to Who Kid on a, you know, on everyday struggle. It just don't look right. He don't have the same, I guess, personality Joe got. It don't look right having nobody else sitting in that chair. It kind of fucks up the whole dynamic of the show. So we'll see what happens. I think academics, his um, his uh, contract negotiations are about to start, and he can't carry that show by himself. If they don't get Joe, they're going to have to get a bad motherfucker in that spot because most people, I would say, in my age range, probably look at academics like he's a sucker. I mean, he's constantly getting, you know, punked and chumped out by guests that come on there talking to him a little, you know. Like, you you got a kid now. I don't know how old academics is. And he ain't, like, the smallest nigga. And you let now. I know Vince Mixer, Vin, Vic Mensa, good rapper, by the way, from Chicago. I know he's from Chicago and he, he does his rap shit and all that. But I can't see me sitting in a chair and 
let some some guy smaller than me tell me, yeah, I was gonna slap the shit. I wanted to slap the shit out you, or whatever. But some shit you said, and me just sitting there like, okay, and just letting that shit go and getting chumped like that. And no fucking way. Nobody I, nobody you'll see me with, nobody you'll, that I talk to is ever gonna let some shit like that go down. And I don't know if it's because academics is young and he's trying to be in the industry. He wants to have to be able to have this guy's ear on. But at some point, like, hey, listen, there's a job, there's a career, and I'm a man. And that my man is gonna come before all that shit. And I don't know if academics got kids or whoever, but I I couldn't have I couldn't have just sat there and took that like that, you know. Even and even if I handled it professionally, like, look, yo, check this out, bro. I need that. You're not gonna play me on you know on the fucking internet, which is gonna be seen all over the world, like some millions of subscribers to the show. You're not gonna play me like that, and I'm just not gonna not say nothing. We need, to, we, need, we need to fucking fight. Or I would have snuffed him. I'm just saying, like, I'm a fan of Vic Mensa, but if that was me, Vic Mensa would have got snuffed. And I'm pretty sure if the situation would have been reversed and the academics had some shit crazy like that to Vic Mensa, Vic Mensa probably would have snuffed him. Just saying. Uh, it's, a, it's a damn shame that the show went down like that, but, you know, it bees like that sometimes. It bees like that. And what else was... Oh, yeah. Sports, sports, sports. So, football, my Jags pissed me off today. You know, they they locked up the division, but they got beat by the fucking 49ers. It's all good. It's all good. Like, we'll be back. Green Bay lost, you know, so I'm not that mad. The Bears won. Green Bay lost. I'm not that mad. The Bulls are doing a little bit better. Chris Dunn has been out there doing this thing. I wasn't sure about him, you know, coming after what he did in Minnesota, but I'm looking at it now. He probably didn't really have the ability or the uh, – I'm not going to say the ability. He probably didn't have the, the chance to do that shit in Minnesota because, the, you know, Levine and all them were over there, and then they had Ricky Rubio running the point. So maybe he didn't have the opportunity. I think he was banged up a little bit over there. Now he's getting a chance to kind of run the offense with the Bulls. And the crazy thing is was I want, when they were doing the draft, I wanted them to get Chris Dunn or Jerry and Grant. They didn't get neither. Ended up trading, getting Jerry and Grant, and then they ended up trading and getting Chris Dunn. So... It's funny how shit happens, but we'll see how it turns out. Zach Levine should be back, I think, after the All-Star break. So we'll see what happens, man. I'll stop bashing them if they win in a few games. And I'm, I'm doing it out of love because that's my, you know, my squad. It's the squad I was born into, the Chicago Bulls. So y'all keep, please keep doing well. I love to be wrong when it comes to my teams. If I call you a bum, go to the All-Star game. Go to the playoffs. Make me feel like an idiot. I love to be wrong when I talk about my teams and I own that shit. And uh, the Lakers, man, the Lakers, they're, they're, looking, they're looking okay. Lonzo was hooping. He's knocking. He's shooting. He's got a little bit better the past few games. But, um, man, Killer Kuz, Killer Kuz, bro, Kuzma has been killing. He dropped almost 40 points a couple of games ago, I think, against the Rockets. And they beat Houston. Uh, that boy, Killer Kuz, is on a fucking mission. He like, yeah, y'all keep on talking about Lonzo. I keep on talking about Lonzo. I'm going to be quiet, and I'm going to get these buckets. But all that that's changed though, because the spotlight has kind of shifted towards his his way as well in a positive light. Like Lonzo was getting all the bad bullshit press, <laughs> but everybody loved Kuzma, and you know under that pressure in LA he's been balling. I think I think um, Kobe is a uh, maybe a part of that. Like he got the skill set obviously because he was getting buckets before. But like hearing him talk about the experience he had, I guess with them, one of the guys from the team told him that Kobe's like, hey, text him. So we could talk, and um, I think maybe that might have boosted his confidence, his confidence, you know, speaking to the mamba. 
And, you know, Kobe's probably telling him to, you know, embrace that mama mentality. He's been doing that. I think uh, a lot of the guys on the team been doing that. He had Jordan Clarkson, uh, Brandon Ingram. He's been, he's been, you know, in and out. he's been on and off, but I still got faith in Ingram because he's he not playing like he played last year. The few games I caught last year, he's just shooting jumpers on the perimeter. Now he he get the rock, he driving them every time. And I think that's the Kobe Bryant influence, man. So hopefully, you know, Kuzma keeps taking that notes. He keeps going out there and killing people, man, because he's getting buckets. And I surely appreciate it because he's like, he's almost positionless, you know, three to four, three to four maybe. He's not really a banger, but he'll get rebounds. And uh, he'll block. He can shoot from range. So I don't know how he fell that low in the draft, but I'm glad he did because he's out there hooping for us. And I think the Lakers got a bright future if they keep this team together. I heard some talk about them trading Jordan Clarkson. I hope that's not the case. I hope they keep most of those guys in. I, I want to see the other rookie they got, the big man. I think it's about time he gets on the court because Andrew Bogut ain't – his mind is there, but his body ain't. He's, he can't move enough to do what the Lakers want him to do. So I think it's time they – they let the young boy get some play, and they may let him get some burn after the playoff break or after it's if it gets to the point where they not where they absolutely absolutely not going to make the playoffs. And I say that when it gets to that point because who knows what the future holds? Who knows what type of run they can get on? They've they've taken the best team in the you know in the league to their limit to overtime twice. You know, I know one of those games Steph wasn't playing, but the first game he was playing it took them to overtime. They hung with Houston, so we, we'll see. If they hit their groove and they can and they can run like they've been doing and keep the momentum, they might be something. So hopefully they keep at least the core of that team intact. I'm talking about Clarkson, Randall, um, KCP, Lonzo, of course, Kuzma, Ingram, uh, fucking even Corey Brew, who I was shitting on, who made me feel like a dummy with the defense he plays. And uh, and they need to let that young boy. I forgot his name. But he's a rookie. They need to let him get in there and bang a little bit. I hope they keep Josh Hart. Anybody else, they can get, they give him the fuck out of it. And Brooke Lopez, when he gets back, because I like them, the fact that he can, you know, step out behind him and shoot from, the, shoot from three. But they need to get their fucking free throws under control. Cause that shit is crazy. So yeah, that's um. Oh, speaking of sports, and I'm gonna address, I'm gonna piss Florida people off twice today. And the first thing I'm gonna do to piss y'all off is talk about two former Orlando Magic superstars, and um, the one y'all praise. And I'm not talking about Shaq. I'm not talking about Penny. I'm talking about T Mac. I said something about T Mac. A while ago on one of these other podcasts, I, I don't remember which one it was. It was one of the earlier joints I did. But I said I didn't feel like T-Mac should be in the Hall of Fame. I just didn't. He didn't do enough for me. Yes, he balled. He, yes, he was a scoring champ. He was never an MVP. You know, to get to the Hall of Fame, never being an MVP, never really doing shit in the playoffs. Like, I, I you know, I can't really get with that. We're putting T-Mac in the Hall of Fame. I, that, I just, I don't see it. I think it makes it. It makes the Hall of Fame look weak because when you like when you say Hall of Famer, you putting him next to people like Michael Jordan. You putting him in the same category as Kobe Bryant, LeBron when he gets there, KD will probably get there and be in the Hall of Fame. So I'm thinking I'm thinking Tim Duncan, Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, Bill Russell, Wilt Chamberlain, Jerry West, Dr. J, Larry Bird, Kevin McHale. I'm thinking the great Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I'm thinking about great. Great, right? So almost everybody I named, Scotty Pittman, excuse me, is a is a multiple champion. They either got one or they got more than one. Pay attention to what I'm saying. So for me to, to accept personally T Mac being in the Hall of Fame, I, I just can't. I can't do it. Like it, he's in the NBA Hall of Fame, but I, I give him a big asterisk because he balled out, 
in the East when he was getting buckets. He got it. He balled out when the East was trash, and he still didn't do shit. And the re- one of the reasons I'm so hard on T-Mac is because I feel like he cried his way out of Toronto because he wanted to be the man. Got to Orlando, cried his way out of there, went to Houston, and still didn't do shit. Like, who knows what could have happened if he had stayed with Orlando and then maybe some, through some miracle they still get Dwight Howard in the draft. That combination could have been crazy. Would it have worked? We don't know. It could have gone bad. It could have gone well. It would have taken a lot of pressure off Dwight Howard to, to be a scorer and to carry the franchise, which brings me to my second point. If T-Mac is a Hall of Famer, that big goofy motherfucker people talk about all the time, Dwight Howard, he's a Hall of Famer. If you disagree, you know, go look at the stats. Go look at how their, their personal achievements line up. Has either one of them ever been an MVP? No. Has either one of them been an All-Star? They're both been All-Stars. Has either one of them been Defensive Player of the Year? Yeah, you know, like, has one been a scoring champion? Yeah. Has one been a defensive player of the year? Yes. Has one been to the finals? Yes. Has one got a gold medal with the Olympics? Yes. Who was that? Dwight Howard. Dwight Howard is a multiple all-star, multiple all-NBA, multiple all-defensive team. He got to the finals. He took the team. So he was the biggest, he's the best player on their team. They went to the finals, and he got a gold medal. And he won a dunk contest. He done all type of shit T-Mac ain't ever did. So... That's that's my argument, man, for the for the people that's like, oh, T Mac, T Mac never did shit for your team, and I, he may score some points. He dropped fifty. What's the result? He dropped. I don't know. He shot how how many shots? Cool. He didn't make anybody better. Dwight Howard being a defensive presence with his athleticism and his size at the center position. By and I'm gonna be keep it a buck with you. By the way, when he was at his peak, he was the best center in the league. T Mac has never been the best person at his position in the league ever because if he was playing the three LeBron James was better than him and if he was playing the two Kobe Bryant's better than him so he's never been the best at his position Dwight Howard has and that may be for lack of big man but you know you if you look at it you got to go with the timetable is he the best person at that position in the league at his peak yes he was so and and one of the reasons I really get mad with the whole T-Mac shit is because he um when he became a Hall of Famer it's like he got a little smug you know, for a guy who didn't, who didn't, you know, and all Hall of Famers don't win a ring, right? But for the way, the way he said pissed me off because he said anybody can get a ring, not everybody can get into the Hall of Fame. So me being the asshole that I am, I said, you know what, T-Mac, let, let's look at this, right? So, yes, you got in the Hall of Fame, right? But you don't have a ring. You don't have a decent playoff run fucking period. I don't know if Tracy McGrady ever made it out the first fucking round of the playoffs. So when that's why I said you you stick him next to Hall of Famers, like you you got to think about who you put this man next to. Let's talk about I give you three Hall of Famers right now, four never got a ring, right? And you willing to put T Mac next to these people? Patrick Ewing was one of the best big man in the league for a long time. When there were a bunch of big big uh, when there were a bunch of good big men in the league, he was compete with Shaquille O'Neal, a young Shaq, Alonzo Mourning, David Robinson. The Kimmy Matumbo, Hakeem Olajuwon. And you got to think even like the, the Kevin Duckworths, the Rick Smiths of the world. You know, he never got a ring. Carl Malone, Hall of Famer, never got a ring. Deep playoffs run, went to the finals twice. Charles Barkley, Hall of Famer, never got a, a championship ring. But he was constantly in the playoffs, making deep runs into the playoffs, contributing. All those guys went to the finals. Shit, John Stockton with Carl Malone. You know, had the record for assists, 
league leader, a consistent league leader in steals, league leader in assists. Probably one of the best two-way guards who ever played the game. Run the team, D you up, dish, can shoot. Come on, man. I got to put this guy next to that. I can't do it. But if, you, if he's in, Dwight Howard got to be in. That's only fair. It's just for, for you to say shit like that. You know, because when you when you Hall of Famer without a ring, that's always going to be the thing. Like, oh, you're a Hall of Famer, but you didn't get a ring, though. For these guys that won championships but, get, but didn't get to the Hall of Fame, there's no asterisk by them, even though they weren't a superstar. You got to respect role players or even be to the point where when you are an elite superstar, you learn how to turn into a role player once you realize that your time is, you know, that your body and age has slowed you down. Whether it be injury or whatever, you can still be valuable to a team and accept their role and excel at it. Shit, Scottie Pippen did it. He almost helped get the fucking uh, Blazers to the finals. Ray Allen did it. You know, KG wasn't the, the, exactly the star of the team when the Celtics went to the uh, championship. So, you know, you got to, for me, that's how I gauge stuff. I'm looking at your competition level and can I put you next to KG? Not really. Not in my book. KG was a, was a, a real fucking lead. He made people on his team better. And then the, it's just what he said. Like, I just, anybody can get a ring. And some people may agree with that because, you, yes, you're going to have people on the team, but the, the, the role players on the championship team contribute heavily. So let me just, so since he said that, I took the liberty of myself being petty. And I'm going to say, you know what, since you had the nerve to say that bullshit, I'm going to go look at the old rosters that you were on, and I'm going to look and see if anybody else got a ring without you because obviously you weren't good enough to lead a team to a ring. So let me just go down my little list, right? Mike Miller, NBA champion, not a superstar role player. Judd Bushler, multiple-time NBA champion. Horace Grant, multiple-time NBA champion. Jacques Vaughn, NBA champion. Deshaun Stevenson, NBA champion. Tyron Lue, NBA champion. Zaza Pachulia, NBA champion. The one thing these guys got in common, they were all teammates of Tracy McGrady. But you know what nobody's ever going to say about them? It's, oh, he's got a ring, but he's not in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> They're never going to say that. The knock on you is going to be, oh, yeah, you went to the Hall of Fame, but you never got a ring. You know, that's the big that's the big regret. So, And I only harp on it so much because the shit, the way he said it made me dislike him even more. Because I don't like fucking crybabies in sports when you had the chance to play with your fucking cousin. Who knows what Toronto could have been if you stayed there with Vince. They could have had the East on lock in an age where the East wasn't really that competitive. You know, they could have been the next Jordan and Pippen, but you want to bounce. That's cool. You out the game, Vince still playing. We'll see who history remembers better out of the two of you guys. I do know this, though. Vince got to the playoffs. You know what I mean? He made it out the fucking uh, first round, Mr. McGrady. But I'm off that right now. Um, and I'm going to continue to piss off Florida people right now. When, not right yet. What I'm going to do is I'm going to give you guys a quick review on a documentary I saw. So along with um, me giving you, like, little podcast reviews or uh, you know, basically doing a review on somebody I know who's contributing to the community or they made a major come up in life or they're on their way to making a major come up in life. I also like to drop in a little, you know, a little Netflix documentary or a movie review. I'm going to start doing these more often. But the one I'm going to tell you guys about today is it's a it's a gem of a documentary. For all the, you know, all the street cats, all the guys who read ever read Feds magazine or whoever read or ever looked at um. American Gangster documentaries on, on TV. The one I'm going to talk to you about is called Cracking the System. And it's about Rick Ross. Free Ray Rick Ross. The real Rick Ross from California. So, I mean, if you're not familiar with 
if anybody's ever heard the term Reaganomics, all this plays into what I'm about to talk about. And I don't want to give, you know, I don't want to basically tell you the whole documentary and you're not going to fucking watch it. But it, it's, it's real good. It's, so it basically tells a story of how Rick Ross went from ordinary cat, you know, lower income family in, the, you know, the South Central L.A. to become a drug kingpin, to being connected to the government, and then him getting out, you know, having a pitfall, going back in, and then getting himself out. And then his struggle to, you know, rebuild his life and, you know, get his name back, basically. Now, you know, oftentimes when people go to prison, they end up going right back in. And unfortunately for him, he did do that. But the situation with him was so weird. So if you ever heard of, uh, I'm going to say the irony of politics real quick, the, how people praise Ronald Reagan, especially the fucking Republicans. People praise Ronald Reagan and they, they forget to mention one thing about him, that he was an actor. And politicians, they, they act. They, you know, they play people. It's what they do. They're going to talk to you to mold you to think that what they're talking about is going to somehow improve your life or something that they're saying is somehow good for you. There's, there's some value in the content that they're putting out to the world, basically, right, as a politician. So my big beef with um, Reagan is, as I found out through another good documentary called the uh, American Drug War was his role in the cocaine slash crack epidemic that hit the inner city in the 80s. So this is the epidemic that swept the nation and ruined the inner city and poor neighborhoods for a long, for like a generation or two was just lost to this shit because people still out there pumping crack and using crack to this day. So basically the drug flow from the cartels in the West spread east, right? And from the, when you just look at it on a basic level, like, okay, ge geography, they're right there, we're right here. There's a huge drug market. But, you know, like any market, that market has to be created. So with the Iran-Contra scandal, the word is, or it's actually confirmed, when I want you to watch the documentary, and you'll see how the um, our government wanted to support the Nicaraguan Contras you know, um, because the Sandistas overthrew the government and the freedom fighters were getting together to throw the government, try to throw the government back over in Nicaragua. And that's who our government wanted in power. But Congress decided to stop backing the Nicaraguans or the, the freedom fighters. So in turn, in turn, there was a weapons deal put together some type of way to where I, I, this, I, I don't know how 100% how I went. I know... Iran was involved somehow, so I don't know if, if the weapons went to Iran or the weapons came from Iran. They, the, Iran probably got Soviet weapons, and then the Contras were buying those weapons from Iran. I'm not 100% sure how it happened, but I know Iran was involved, hence the word Iran-Contra scandal. Look it up if you can. But basically, they didn't have the money or they didn't have a means to buy the weapons. So the drug pipeline was opened up through the U.S. and via that drug pipeline, there was the funds were accumulated to buy the weapons from my to get the weapons to the Contras so they could overthrow the government. So the person that our government wanted to be in power would be in power. It sound sounds kind of complicated, but basically, we want a guy to be in power. We can't front the money or back give the resources to said uh, freedom fighters. So we come up with a way for the freedom fighters to accrue the funds 
to buy the weapons to overthrow the leader that we want, that we no longer want in power. That's how the world works, some, you know, sadly. So the Contras get the weapons. Whoever has the weapons gets paid. But, you know, the, the consequence of that, of that is you now have generations of people who deal with uh, drug addiction and drug violence and drug culture. And people forget that the dealers are victims, too. And if not even the dealers in their families, because they're like once you get caught up in that shit and you get stuck in that cycle, it's hard for somebody to change. Imagine making money hand over fist, you know, daily. You're making thousands, hundreds of thousands, you know, dollars a day. And you say so you get knocked, you go do your bid and you get out and, you know, that's attached to your name forever. So how do you function after that? Because they like they not giving people life sentences for drugs. They locking people to fuck up. So you said you do 10, 15 years stretch, you come out. Now you got to catch up to how the world's going. You got this felony on your record. And then you're trying to go work a job if you can get a job. And you're not going to have anywhere close to the money you were making. So then you're, you're back in that same fucked up, poverty-stricken situation that you were in. But what do you see? Now, I would say it's pretty prominent. And if you're in a low-income neighborhood, there's a good chance that there's some drug trafficking going on. You may not be directly close to it, but if you, you know, if you pay, if, if you've been in a bad neighborhood, you could tell when there's drug trafficking going on. You're close to it. Being in a in a lower income neighborhood, it's a safe bet to say you're close to some drug trafficking. So if you're familiar with that lifestyle, you're gonna be able to see the signs. You're gonna be able to see when people are dropping off, picking up. You're gonna be able to see people selling. Who's the runner? Who's this and the third? So, and you're gonna see that quick money. So what do people do? They relapse in a sense because they're addicted to the rush of getting that money you hear drug dealers say it all the time like they were addicted to the easy success of getting money and having money right then and there so a lot of guys who went to jail for drugs they go in they come out they try to go straight or they learn how to how they think you know to be a better criminal on inside on our inside they come out try it again they get caught up again and go back and it's just a cycle you know coming to jail becomes a normal thing and, it, and it's like a thing in the inner city, like, oh, you, you know, somebody go to jail for what you go to jail for. You're like, oh, you went for joke. We went to jail for dope. He's like, oh, okay. It's just like it's not even thought about. But it's this, it's that vicious cycle. So the drug dealers, in a way, they're victims too, because they're, and if not, you know, them directly, their families are victims because their families go through this shit with them while they're going in and out of jail. Not to mention the families of the addicts. So it's a, it's a crazy system that's in place, but it benefited our government. Who didn't care because that shit won the neighborhoods where votes count. Let's be honest. And it's going to help them get somebody in power they want in power. Ain't shit crazy. But how it all ties into Rick Ross is, Rick Ross was the fucking man in L.A. You know, he had his distribution system going when he was getting drugs out everywhere. He gets knocked. Well, he meets the connect. The connect being the guy sent by the government. This cat named Danilo Blandon who's connected to the, um, who's connected to the you know, the Contras. And the cartels and stuff. So the the uh, Danilo Blandon becomes the plug who helps Rick make a ridiculous amount of money, and Rick's bringing back the work. Boom on clock. So everybody's happy because Rick Ross is an asset to the U.S. government and their global agenda, right? And then he gets caught up and he goes to jail. So Ross Rick Ross comes back out, trying to be on the straight and narrow, and you know he he gets a phone call from X Y Z. He makes a mistake, ends up back in jail. But what I say my pitch Florida people off about is uh, when he gets out, now he's got a deal. He's trying to get out of his, you know, he's trying to get out of jail. 
But the whole time he's trying to get out of jail, you have a rapper, Rick Ross, using his name, talking about how he move all these keys and how he sell all these drugs, push all his weight. So now, you know, that could be used against him while he's trying to get out of jail because now, oh, look, this is Rick Floss's influence on, the, on young black youth, uh, drugs and violence and all this shit. Because you got some asshole in Florida telling everybody, I know Pablo, the real Pablo, or I wrote Noriega, the real Noriega, whoever the fuck he said he knew in that song, everything he does is about his whole, you know, his whole base of his music is about him being this big time boss and this big time drug dealer, all the while using somebody else's name. So how can this man ever get clear? And this isn't the first time, you know, um, somebody had kind of checked Rick Ross on that because he was walking around with these booby boy shirts on and and apparently the people who were in this so-called booby boys gang in Miami or this crew didn't appreciate it because they had people also trying to get out of jail. But by him wearing that shirt and promoting what he was promoting, he could potentially fuck up somebody else getting out of jail. And the irony is that while he's making all these millions, and talking about people that he's in no way really related to at all, you know, they're stuck in jail, he's probably hurting their chances of getting out of jail, and this motherfucker used to be a correction officer. Ain't that a bitch? So then, you know, Rick Ross actually gets the real Rick Ross, gets out of jail, and I want you to watch it and see how he got himself out of jail. Just keep in mind, this is a man who was running a crack empire, a drug empire, who couldn't fucking read. He didn't learn how to read until he was 28 years old. And he'll talk about that in the documentary. So I don't want to give you too much of, of it because I want you to watch it. So he basically gets out and um, takes Rick Ross to court. He's seeking $10 million and half his royalties. I mean, as he should, because he could have potentially cost me more of my life, helped me up from getting out of jail, but you making fame off of my name. And, you know, long story short, he didn't win the case. But I think Ross had to fake Rick Ross had to pay for his legal fees, which was in the high hundred thousand dollars. So maybe a small win there, but then not really. It's not what he was looking for. This man that came up off his name and, you know, now he can't even win the case in court. And he back to struggling. You know, so please uh check it out. And just I want you to pay attention and watch it to the end and pay attention to the the uh the reasoning behind rapper Rick Ross using the um the real freeway Rick Ross's name. I want, I'm not going to give it away. I want you to watch this shit and see the fucking excuse that your boy Ricky Ross uh, used for using this man's name. Like, ever since I found this shit out, he really paid attention. I, c I cannot buy any more Rick Ross's music. And I understand, like, it's rap, it's all entertainment, this, that, and the third. I get that 100%. I got it. But once I, like, once I heard that, it's like, I can't, I can't fake it no more. Like, you already faking it by saying the shit you're saying. I can't fake it and support you financially anymore. I can't put use my money to buy your product, your album, when I know I know 100% everything you said was a fucking lie. And you got people that are, you know, they got people behind bars that you fucking up by using that name and promoting some shit they did when they were in the, you know, the young boy stages. So please, you know, uh, check that out. It's called Cracking the System. It's on Netflix. And uh, please hit me up, man, and let me know if when you watch it, how it made you feel if you still feel like you can fuck with Rick Ross, rapper Rick Ross, if you still feel like you can listen to that, man, and um, if you still see him in the same light. And also let me know how you felt about my T-Mac comments because I don't feel like he should be a Hall of Famer, but God damn it, if he's going to be one, Dwight Howard should be one too. Boom, there you go. 
And you can give me that lovely feedback at noplayingthisride at gmail.com. Please drop me an email. You can also hit me on Twitter at noplayingthisride. It's going to be at uh, noplay247. That's capital N, lowercase o, capital P-L-A-Y, noplay247 at Twitter. Um, I got a Facebook page, No Playing This Ride. Leave me a review on Facebook, not on Facebook, but fucking iTunes. Rate review me on whatever platform you're listening to me on, whether it's YouTube, whether it's Stitcher, whether it's TuneIn, whether it's Google Play, iTunes. Leave me a review, man. Let me know how I can improve and how I can get shit cracking. What, even if you're listening through like the Libsyn website, because I'm using uh, the Libsyn hosting service. So if you listen to me that way, boom, do that. So, yeah, anyway, man, um, I wish you guys the best. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays, and I'm going to end this on a positive note. Um, I'm going to be nice and try to close out the year decently. So, I give my sincerest wishes of a happy holiday to all you dirty-ass Miami Hurricanes and dirty-ass Florida Gator fans. Fuck y'all. Peace.